Is this all right? Chin's good. If you stick it on your chin, it doesn't matter where you go. It just follows you around the room. Right, let's pray together about this stuff. Um, So, uh, Lord, uh, bless this time that we share together. Um, I thank you for the things that it's prompted me to think about already, and I pray that some of those things will will hit home uh, for for all of us. Um, Thank you that we're just free to work through the, the stories in your word and to share them with each other and to work out what those stories mean. Um, for us as we move forward in our lives together and with you. Um, Thank you that we begin to start to think about you becoming uh, a human being. Um, And as we run up towards Christmas, um, we start to think about what you as a child and you as a person uh, means in our lives. So as we consider this, Lord, I pray that you will give us this idea of, of hope as we move towards thinking about the Christmas story. So bless this time to all of us, and um, I pray that each of us will find something from this morning to take into tomorrow and into the weeks ahead. Amen. Right. I'm going to start with the reading that was kind of suggested as Advent 1. Okay, So if you've got Bibles or have got some sort of a device, um, we're looking at uh, Isaiah 2. Okay, so Isaiah 2, verses 1 to 5, looks something like this. Um, This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war any more. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, that's part of the Advent deal. It's part of the promises of this person coming up and making everything better. That last little bit, come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, it's fabulous that I've got this microphone because I can walk over here and pick up my notes that I forgot to get. Now, it looks like a wadge of paper. It's actually only one bit of paper. It's just I was leaning on a pad of paper, and that's all I managed to pick up. Right. So if you could magically make... Oh, there we go. Right. So I've got some stories. All of the stories that I'm going to tell end up probably with the same phrase. And the same phrase is, and I hope you can read it, everything is going to be all right. Now, I'll tell the story of this picture. Um, Every so often, you tell a story that just shows you up for the middle-class person that you really are. So here we go. 
when we were at the Tate Modern, okay, I mean, so that's the start of it. So this is a picture from about four years ago. Um, I'd been teaching in the school that I was teaching in for 18 years, and my time at that school didn't end well. And it didn't end well, so much so that I didn't have a job to go to after I left at the end of the summer term. And we, yeah, there we go, middle class, at the Tate Modern. Um, this is me coming out of the toilets. And Alison is going, and is standing away back and takes this photo. Why have you taken a photo of me coming out of the toilets? Well, we've been praying for a sign. <laughs> and so I've got, we've got some pictures of this in the kitchen and stuff. And it, it has always been, you know. This is art. So not only is it a sign, but apparently it's high-class, top-end art as well. So, yeah, this is me coming out of the loos at the Tate Modern. And I didn't have a job at the time, didn't know quite what was going to happen. And actually, in the end, everything is all right. And so that kind of, ah, there we go. Um, I often say, you know, when we're praying for things as a church or as a, a couple or as a whatever... I say, I don't often get like blinding lights in the sky and stuff. They don't happen all the time. But on this one occasion, it's just, oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. Thank you very much. That's really, really lovely. So everything is going to be all right. So I've got one, two, three, four, six-ish little stories about how Jesus and God and the Father and everything says that to actually a whole load of people, everything is going to be all right. So the first one is to the Hebrews. This is Isaiah chapter 2. And in Isaiah chapter 2, um, nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Uh, he will teach us his ways so that we, we may walk in his paths. So when everything isn't going okay, dear Hebrews, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord to the temple of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. So, dear Hebrews, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. So, with that in mind, let's... Oh, where's the light? Where's the light? Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Everything is going to be all right. Right, first story. I mean, because it's like Christmas and stuff, isn't it? So, I'm pressing right. Switch it on. Yes, bust. Okay, so I'll read a bit. So my first person I'm going to talk about, oh nice, it's got a little green light as a clue, that's amazing. So my first little story is going to be about Mary. So Mary, uh, going to, that map turns up every so often, let's just check it's in the right place, yes, okay. So um, this is modern day uh, Nazareth. So let's do a little story about Mary, and if, you, if you're reading through and stuff, this is um, Luke 1, 26. 
So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered... will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be... The angel left her. So Mary was in this getting-on-with-her-life kind of scenario, I think at this stage she was engaged to be married. Everything was looking good. And then suddenly, oh, by the way, you're going to be the one. And God's message to her was this simple, (laughs) simple, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't know whether Jesus, but whether God really said to her, everything will be all right. I don't know whether that was exactly the promise, but certainly do not be afraid. So in the middle of this, this isn't Nazareth then, but this is Nazareth now, do not be afraid. And do not be afraid because you are just going to follow in the light of Jesus. You are going to follow in in God's path. You are going to follow in his direction. So do not be afraid. Let's do another quick story. And this is the story of Mary and Joseph this time. So in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Whilst they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So, a bunch of these stories now are going to be about the idea of a bunch of people including you, including me, including us, including Alton Baptist Church, maybe expecting to be somewhere and then suddenly being somewhere else. But it being okay because everything is going to be all right. So Joseph and Mary were expecting that this was where their baby was going to be born. They've already had that controversy of, you're pregnant, what? And no, I should divorce you, but no, I won't. I'm going to stick by you. And I suppose Joseph had the, with her, no. The angel says, yes. 
okay. So he's already had to go through a whole load of different, expecting to be somewhere and then suddenly being somewhere else. So he was here, and then suddenly, whoops, he's suddenly here. Uh, this is modern-day Bethlehem. So he was in Nazareth, and suddenly they had to be in Bethlehem. Oh, click on, come on. There we go. Now, Nazareth, Bethlehem. Now, we'll talk about this journey in a bit. To get from Nazareth to Bethlehem, you could go in a straight line. But that's a lot of hills. You could go to the coast, but the coast road and down the coast was governed by a bunch of other folks, so that wasn't always the best plan. So the best way to get to Jerusalem and actually to Bethlehem is to go east, down the Jordan, where the A is of Jerusalem, that's where Jericho is, and then you go up a long way, vertically, to Jerusalem. Um, my eyes are set on the mountains, where does my hope come from, all that sort of stuff. The idea of looking up to Jerusalem is a geographical thing, as well as a spiritual and emotional thing as well. So they would have gone east, south, west. I don't know about you, but I, every time I do that, I have to go never eat shredded wheat. Every time. Left and right, got that. North, east, south, west, never eat shredded wheat. Every time. Even, even I knew I was going to talk about that. You saw me think, never eat shredded wheat. So east, south, west. It's a journey. It's a big journey. And it was maybe one that Joseph and Mary weren't expecting to have to make. But Joseph had already had promises that everything was going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Um, next story, again, is about Joseph. Um, Matthew 2, if you're looking. Matthew 2, 7 to 14. Matthew 2, 7 to 14 goes like this. Um, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I said that really dully, didn't I? Oh, no, we're overjoyed. I'll try that again. <laughs> when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. That's better. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Now, here's Egypt down here. Now, that's a trek as well. Um, they were in Bethlehem, so it wasn't like they were coming from Nazareth, but they would have had to have gone this way. Now, again, 
everything is going to be all right. And God had managed to provide for Mary and Joseph in a way that would have been massively unexpected, but they would have expected to have been. Maybe, um, you got that the, the Magi probably visited Mary and Joseph and Jesus when he was like two or three years old. It wasn't at the same time. And it was probably just visiting the relatives in Bethlehem. So they were just coming back to see everybody, and then the Magi turned up. But then Jesus was the, the age of all these little kids that Herod wanted to kill. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going well. So suddenly, there's this decree, all the little kids, are, all the little boys are going to be killed. Mary, Joseph, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We need to escape. How are we going to escape? What do you mean, how are we going to escape? We've got gold. So they would have been able to purchase a route, a safe route to Egypt that perhaps other folk wouldn't have been able to purchase. So that's horrible. It's a horrible story. And that, like sacrifice of the innocents that story isn't really one that turns up on Christmas cards but it is the fact that Jesus has managed to be looked after in this story by some weird provision of three people coming out of the blue to give them gifts so uh, Nazareth Jerusalem oh gone too far here we go there we go look welcome to Egypt that sign wasn't there no so now, right, this is a little bit controversial. My next story is a little bit controversial because I'm going to tell a story about Jesus. Now, the Jesus story ends, is in a few bits, and I don't mean it to be something that's going to cause like, any sort of upset and stuff, but uh, it, I'm, I just, it, it's a tiny little bit controversial. I'm building that up so that when it isn't controversial at all, you'll go, well, that was all right. What was the fuss about? So um, first off, something about John. So John the Baptist. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all along Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Verse 13. Then Jesus came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison. right? When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Right, at this, I say like controversy and stuff, I don't really think it matters that much. 
here's this map of this area. Now, at the top, there's Lake Galilee, and this is the Dead Sea. A is where Jericho is. Now, Jesus was living in Nazareth, as in Jesus of Nazareth, and he was baptised in the Jordan, which is the river that connects the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. It seems to me as if Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. That was always going to happen. It seems to me as if Jesus was heading to Jerusalem, because the way you get to Jerusalem is east, south, west. And on the way, he met up with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist baptised him in the Jordan. And then not long after, John the Baptist was captured, put in prison, and then executed. Right, here's my controversy. I think that changed Jesus' plans. Now, I don't get totally all that kind of three-in-one thing. The Father is the Son, and the Son is the Father. But I think the human part of Jesus knew that he had to head to Jerusalem. But then John's capture and murder, in a sense, changed his plans. It looks that way from a geographical kind of way. Now, it doesn't matter if I'm wrong. It it matters not at all. But I don't think Jesus intended Capernaum. Because Capernaum is right up the top As far as the kingdom of Judah goes, it's pretty much as far away as you can get from Jerusalem before you start going into other territories. And there, that's where he started being proper, you know, the Jesus that we read of. It's there that he met his disciples. It's there that he called all of his disciples. It's there that he did loads of miracles. It's there that he had as his base, as his home, for that bunch of years before he made the march down to Jerusalem again. Now, I don't mean to be like, I don't, please don't take away that as the thing that you get from today. But I just wonder whether Jesus had his plans changed. I don't know. I can understand that seems a bit odd. So I'm happy to park that. I don't think it matters. But here's Nazareth. Egypt. Oh, sorry, there we go. Nazareth. Ah. I should be less, more patient with this clicker. Right. Nazareth, oh, Jerry, oh my word. I'll get onto the picture I want in a minute. He needed to go to Jerusalem. He didn't manage to go to Jerusalem. Oh, right. No. Right, can you help me at the back? Can you go back one? Right, forward one, one more. And then, that's the one. Whew! Got there in the end. Right, this is Capernaum. This is what Capernaum looks like from some sort of drone shot now. The big building there is some sort of consulate. I don't really understand is why it was there or why it was built, but it's now a tourist information and a gift shop sort of place. This is the temple in which we read about Jesus preaching and doing stuff. So this is where he opened the scrolls and stuff and said things that annoyed people. This is that building. Or a version of the building, or a newer version of the building. But that's where that was. The spaceship is the coolest building in the world. 
It is absolutely brilliant because it is so out of place. But it is a church that has been built over Peter's mum's house. And in this church, there is a glass floor where you can peer through and see the remains of Peter's mother-in-law's house, actually. And so there's miracles have happened at that site. And this is Lake Galilee. And, yeah, it's just it's an awesome thing. Just the idea of, if Jesus had a, a town, a home, it's Capernaum. And this is where he met all of his friends, all of the people that, who were willing to die for him later on. And none of that would have happened if he hadn't changed, if something weird hadn't happened that had stopped him going to Jerusalem for the first time. Capernaum just, I think, and I don't mind if I'm wrong either, but Capernaum kind of happened. And Jesus made it work. Jesus made it work because he believed in the promises that his father had given him, and overall he believed that everything is going to be all right. Because he was living in the light, he was living in the way of God, and he knew that wherever he ended up, everything was going to be all right. Right, so I'm going to leave that there because it's a cool photo. But two more stories. One about us, you know, as individuals, and then a story about Alton Baptist Church, if you don't mind. So first of all, the story about you. Where in your life now is your Capernaum, a place that you didn't expect to be in, a circumstance or a physical place, maybe a a, a job, a a relationship, something that you didn't expect to be in. Um, The photo of me standing outside the toilets at the Tate Modern, I thought I was going to retire at my school. And then suddenly, I found myself working somewhere else. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to happen. But it became my Capernaum. And I like to think that I've made a good job of it. I like to think I've given it its best. And I like to think that I am now Jesus at that place for the people that I work with. Where is your Capernaum? Where is this place that you have ended up through compromise, through surprise, through no fault of your own, through a decision that was made by somebody else? And we've probably all got things where that sort of stuff has happened. If you can't think of something straight away, just use your imagination a little bit because it could be a circumstance, it could be a situation. But your Capernaum can potentially be like Jesus' Capernaum. It becomes his place. Where did Jesus live? Capernaum. I mean, what an amazing honor, really, for a town. Where did he meet his disciples? Capernaum. Where did he do a load of his stuff? Capernaum. When, where, were his base, where was his base when he was doing all the things that he was famous for before those Easter stories? Capernaum. Have you got a Capernaum? Because with God's strength, everything is going to be all right. Now, <laughs> let's wonder whether that was controversy. Right, look, when, uh, when I've discovered that um, next week you guys have got somebody preaching with a bit of a squint, uh, I said to Alison that what I needed to do was to be absolutely awful so that at least when someone comes, um, you can think, well, at least he wasn't as bad as him. Now, 
I now hope I, ha- I now hope I haven't done that. But I am going to say something which is going to end up being maybe challenging. I said something like this to YBC before we started our minister hunt. So here we go. Your new minister to everybody will probably be a bit Capernaum. Your new minister to everybody won't be exactly who you want. They will be okay. Because if you just take a moment, please, to have a look at the person next to you, even if it's the person that you deeply love, it's the person that you live with all of the time, you don't believe the same things as they do about any of this. There is stuff that you believe about this faith and about this life that we have been chosen for or we've been accepted into. There is stuff that you believe that is totally different from the person you are sitting next to. The minister you have will be this church's Capernaum. It won't be Jerusalem. It will be Capernaum. And you, with God, will have to trust the promise that everything is going to be all right. So this is genuinely what I'd like you to do. Now, right, just to yourself, because this is about you, what is your question to the new minister? The question that will decide your vote. Have a think. What is the question that will decide your vote? I'll be really shallow, right? If they turned up and they asked, they said, I support Birmingham City, then, oh, no, right? So, now, be deeper than that. Be deeper than that. But what is the vote? What is the question that would decide whether they would get your vote? Now, here is my challenge. Don't ask that question. Because you are in this together. If this person turns up and is controversial with you about one particular thing, that is not the reason to vote against this move. That is not the reason. Because this person is not going to be Jerusalem. This person is going to be Capernaum. And you are going to make the best of that And you are going to work with God through this person because everything is going to be all right. If you have a question, if they answer it wrong, they're not getting your vote. You will never get a new minister. You cannot have everybody being pleased in every single situation. And when we were looking for a minister ourselves, Tim Ferguson, I don't know if you've heard of him, um, he did a thing with the membership and got people to actually physically stand at the front and line themselves up depending on whether they felt that the Bible was 100% infallible, still totally every single letter, still valid today, no questions, to... It's just a bunch of stories. 
And we all put ourselves along this line. And it was a straight line with no bunching. Everybody put themselves in a different place. So just as an example, so you're coming to be maybe the minister of Alton Baptist Church. What do you think of the Bible? If you then sit with your arms folded and wait for a response, if this minister gives a clear and thorough response to that question, it might put them here. So two people will vote for them. You are not trying to find Jerusalem. You're trying to find Capernaum. I think Jesus was looking for Jerusalem. And he was diverted to Capernaum. And a whole load of the stories from the Bible are based from that point. A whole load of stories for Alton Baptist Church are going to be based around this person that you choose as your next minister. You are not choosing Jerusalem. Right, I don't want to belittle the Alton Baptist Church here, but this is a thought process that I went through for, for Yardley Baptist Church. Right, we want a preacher, we want a pastor, we want someone who's community-minded, we want someone who understands finance, we want someone who's a people person, we want someone who's emotionally intelligent, we want someone who's just passionate about the whole of this, we want someone who really, really loves Jesus. You know, this big list. Now, this could be about you if you choose it to be, but this for me was about Yardley. If we find someone like that, why would they want to bother with us? We're not looking for Jerusalem. You're not looking for Jerusalem. You're looking for Capernaum. So I hope in your quest to find a new minister, you've got these questions in your mind. Of course you have. But if this person doesn't completely ally themselves with you, don't use that as a reason to vote against. Because if everybody does that, you will never find a minister. So, there was a bunch of stories, and it all started with this photo. Oh, it worked first time. What was the problem? Um, this is the face of somebody who doesn't have a clue what is going on with their life. I just couldn't see what was going to happen next at that precise moment. And I came out of the toilets, and Alison goes, stop, and took a photo of me coming out of the toilets. You were praying for a sign. There's the sign. And that photo is still up in our kitchen somewhere today. Mary? Oh, right, the Hebrews. The Hebrews, uh, <laughs> the Hebrew history is incredible. I mean, it's just so many ups and downs. And of kings and rulers who seem that they're going to be great and then just f fall by the wayside. But God says to the Hebrews... In the last days, the mountains of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. And they are encouraged then, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's do this because everything is going to be all right. Mary, sitting around minding her own business, you're going to give birth to the Son of God but everything will be all right. Joseph and Mary, you've got to, I know she's pregnant. I know she's coming to, it's the time that she's going to give birth, but we just want you to travel 60 miles. But everything will be all right. 
Um, some nutter is going to come and kill all your babies. But Mary and Joseph, you've got an escape route. Everything is going to be all right. Jesus, I know you want to go to Jerusalem, and I know that path has been blocked. Head to, to Capernaum, but everything is going to be all right. Us, choose, think about where your Capernaum is right now, because everything is going to be all right. And Alton Baptist Church, please, you are looking for Capernaum. You are looking for a person who is going to share your stories, who is going to lead you towards Jerusalem. Don't wait until Jerusalem turns up, otherwise you guys are never going to get a minister. Right, let's pray for this, let's pray for you, and then I'll hand back over. Lord, thank you for the promises that are written. Thank you for the promises in the Bible that have been shown to have happened and, and come about. And thank you for the promises that you make for us. Um, I haven't mentioned the word hope to do with, to do with that, our Advent theme for today, but we have hope in you. And that's just not a passive thing. It's an active thing that we can trust in the words that you give to us. So thank you for the phrase that you gave to me, that everything is going to be all right. And I pray that we could claim that for each of us, that we could all claim that as a promise for us, and that we could claim that for a promise for Alton Baptist Church also. I pray for all of the members here and all the people who might have a safe who, who aren't members um, in the process that's coming up. Pray for this person who's preaching next week, and I pray that the outcome of all of this is a good one for everybody. Um, help the people here to look at the bigger picture rather than just their individual thoughts. Help everybody here to realize that the views and beliefs of, of each of us are all slightly different. And we want this person who comes in to be a fit and not necessarily a perfect fit. We pray for the Capernaum that is coming and pray that you would bless the next time of this church. Um, together, unified, buzzing. Um, pray for Alton Baptist Church uh, in its present and in its future. Uh, bless us, Lord. Amen.